listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. Today we have a book club wrap up episode. Mm-hmm. This was a super fun book, Bright Valley of Love by Edna Hong. I think we're going to have some interesting discussion today as per usual. So, Rachel, <laughs> take it away. First off, I would like to say a huge thank you to the 80 women who joined us this week. Did you say 80? Uh, Last week. Yes. Oh, my goodness. 80 women signed up to join us for the book club and read this book alongside us. And a bunch of them chimed in and contributed to our discussions, Mm. which was wonderful. I was having a bit of a crazy week, but everyone came through (laughs) and made it a great book club, even in spite of the fact that I spent about 15 hours on the road one day. (laughs) Just went with it. But here we are. So this book was a perfect Lutheran Ladies Book Club book. Not all of them are, I'll admit, not all of them are quite this perfect for our group, but this one, bulls. Mm -hmm. Um, Bright Valley of Love, Edna Hong, the true story of a handicapped child who finds a haven of love in the nightmare of Nazi Germany. It was just a warm, compassionate, compelling read about a little boy named Gunther who has some physical disabilities as a result of rickets and vitamin D deficiency and also some intellectual We'll just say slowness because he was basically kept in one room for the first four or five years of his life. Mm. But then he is taken to this bright valley of love, a therapeutic Christian community in the middle of the mountains in Germany. And he discovers love and he discovers the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he discovers hymns and scriptures and the catechism and all of these things. He finds his voice, he finds his reason for living, and really comes alive as a human being once a little bit of love is applied in his general direction. And then, of course, World War II comes along and the Nazis basically want to euthanize everyone at Bethel, the bright valley of love. And Mm -hmm. so the book ends with Bethel's battle for its own existence and the lives of all of its residents. And I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it, but spoiler alert, God wins. Um, (laughs) So it becomes a really triumphant story as well. One of the questions we'll discuss later on, maybe, maybe one of the questions we'll get to (laughs) is where I confess that I was a little bit, uh, I don't know, hesitant to take on this book because normally I don't go in for things that are dripping with sentiment um (laughs) (laughs) which this book is unashamedly so (laughs) 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 however in this case i'm i was willing to make an exception and i really really loved it and i'm in fact planning to start rereading it out loud to all my kids next week i put them on high alert that this will be our next family read aloud because it was such an inspiring read for me Maybe you should record so the that was our book club book. What? What's that? Maybe you should have recorded the audio an audio book while you're at it. Maybe I should. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I, have, I have so much about the audio book, but whatever. I'm not, do it. I'm not going into it. So that was my take on the book. What did you guys think? It was introduced to me as we were having a coffee hour conversation with Paul Grimm 
about something completely not related. He just happened to mention that he had this book that he was trying to get the word out about. And he explained the storyline to me. And I was like, ooh, kind of pro-life drama in the middle of World War II. Yes, please. I will gladly read that. So it was kind of introduced to me that way. And so I was I was very much looking forward to the storyline. I was also a little nervous it was going to be a little too schmushy for me because I also just don't really love <laughs> schmushy books. I like schmushy. <laughs> I like like drama books. But lo and behold, this book was full of the actual drama, especially near the end of it. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I did listen to the audiobook. I also have some thoughts about the audiobook, <laughs> which we don't have to go into. Um, that, ladies, will be bonus feature at the end of this podcast. Oh, no. If you're interested to know what Sarah and Bree think about the audiobook, I haven't heard it. Uh, we might we might be able to actually include a clip of it so you can decide for yourself. That but, is true. Um, yes, yes, yes. Mostly, I just have a beef with pitchy singing, but that is just my own mm. snobby musical me. So anyway, it was cool, though, to have the hymns actually sung yeah. in the audiobook because mm-hmm. I am one of those people when I read books and you get to like songs and stuff, I'll just kind of skim through them and not actually sing them in my head. But I think the effect was much better, in my opinion, yeah. Yeah. Um, to actually have that music sung in the middle of the book to make you kind of pause and slow down and kind of understand what was going on, especially since near the end of it, the hymnody was such a major part of Gunther's life mm-hmm. and oh, his formation yeah. as a Christian human person. So I think that was that was really cool. I was also listening to it. I listened to the bulk of it while I was walking around a municipal park while I was waiting for my husband's baseball game. And I was definitely like talking out loud while I was because it was at the, near the end of the book. So I was, I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> I was just like, I'm sure people thought I was nuts because I was just saying oh. random words because I was at the very dramatic part of the book. I would have so. paid good money to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Sarah talks to audiobooks. I really do watch audiobooks and people must think I'm crazy, but. Yeah, I, you bring up a great point here <laughs> that if you are a hashtag hymn nerd, this book mm-hmm. is for you because you. it is absolutely saturated with hymnody. <laughs> I was also trying to figure out what translation of hymns they were using, but it, it's not the ones that we have in LSB. Mm. It's some, it's the same hymn, but it's very different words. So I was, yeah. I didn't pick up on that. I just know <laughs> that they all like sounded like Lutheran hymns because uh-huh. I've sung something of that semblance before. Yep. Yeah, I loved it. It was a great heartwarming story. I don't normally read heartwarming stories, but this was definitely it was it was good. I liked it. Two thumbs up. Okay, so so let me just give you a little background of my life right now. If you're not following along on Instagram or whatever, (laughs) I at this point at the time of this recording is September 2nd. I actually finished my employment with the LCMS International Center a couple weeks ago. And that sort of put me in this mindset of like, so I, I fire up the audiobook and I just was not in a headspace to listen to the first, I mean, the first chapter it's rough. is brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way that yeah. he is, he experiences abuse and neglect as like a five-year-old for doing something as simple as like getting off of the mat that your grandma locked you up on and like trying to experience sunshine or like talk. So yeah, I was in the process of mourning myself in this transition and 
I was like, I do not have the emotional bandwidth to read this book right now. So I actually, I actually had no, between that and knowing like how busy I was going to potentially be in my new role. Mm, yeah. I was like, I'm hanging it up. I'm not going to do it. I just, I don't think it's going to happen this time. But then I talk with Erin. We had pizza the <laughs> yeah. other night and she's like, do you make any progress on that book? Because I said that like within the first five minutes of listening, I turned it off and I was like, I can't, I can't do it. And I'm like, no. And this was <laughs> what? Wednesday of yeah. this week. So it was two days ago. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't know. And, and she's like, you know what? You need to power through it. And so I was like, okay, I'll do my best. So yesterday, <laughs> while I was working at 1.5 times narration speed audiobook, <laughs> I powered through it in probably three and a half or four hours. And I have to say, Whoa. like, if you you open this book and it's like instant depression, but like mm-hmm. if you can power through that part, it really is a a sweet read. The depressive part at the beginning really sets you up for the like beautiful yes, middle yeah. and ending High of it contrast. too. So, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. You kind of have to sweet that low point in order to really understand it and feel it. We should take a moment here to just explain that Bree did not leave LCMS <laughs> Office of Mission Advancement under bad circumstances she has taken a really cool new job and we are so happy for her and wish her well yeah just because she she was under a cloud because she loves the people at the lcms and misses them very much but all in all it's a very good thing and we are super proud of you brave yes Yes. and so is this whole building and thank you and Yes, it could not have ended on better terms. Let's be clear on that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure nobody was confused. I to everybody who shoved 240 assorted balloons into my office mm-hmm. are clearly missed <laughs> in my me. everyday life. It was Aaron and yeah. some other people. <laughs> so, yeah, either way, I just was like, nope, not going to do it. But then I did it and it was mm-hmm. worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I loved it. I totally agree about the first chapter. The first chapter was rough, but it is for anyone out there who might be listening to this, hasn't read it yet. It's literally the first chapter. Once you've, Mm -hmm. once you've gotten past the first chapter, it's, it's all good. I was going to say all downhill. That didn't seem right. All uphill. (laughs) Uphill. So I moved on all good. Um, (laughs) It's no longer, I mean, there's, there's still drama, but it's no longer the, the ugliness of the first chapter. Yeah. I actually, I started reading it on my drive home to see, I saw some family last weekend and I commented to, to the ladies that, you know, I was, I'm like, I'm about halfway through the book for book club and I'll finish it tomorrow on my way back. I didn't because I got a flat tire, but um, that's okay. I still finished it. Uh, (laughs) But I was like, (laughs) it is an utter delight. But it's also just wrecking me. I'm weeping as I drive along. Sarah's oh. <laughs> talking out loud while she walks around in a park. I'm like driving with tears streaming down my face. <laughs> and I'm typing out spreadsheets. <laughs> uh, Different yeah. vibes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it was it was great. I thought it was a, a delightful delightful read similar sentiments Rachel to you where I was like uh, sounds like it's gonna be a bit over 
overly much. And it was a lot, but it was, yeah. I, I really loved it ultimately. I think there was a refreshing sincerity mm-hmm. to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't didactic for being, yeah. for didacticism's sake. Mm-hmm. It was simply trying to sincerely and earnestly present this story mm-hmm. in a gospel light. And yeah. it, it was impossible for me to get annoyed at the book for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Agitated. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, that's our initial hot take on the book. Are you ready to dive into some questions here? Mm-hmm. As usual, there were anywhere between five and seven questions that we discussed last week. This time there were six. And as usual, I would like each of you to pick one question for us to dive into on air. Okay, so I'm going to do this. Yes. Mm-hmm. I obviously, having like sped through the book yesterday... I did not have time to read any of the questions. So I'm flying blind right here. And I kind of I kind of want to own it and just embrace the stage of life where I'm at right now in this Mm -hmm. book club. And so I would like to be surprised by the question. (laughs) However, I would like a a bit of a a grace moment here. Can I hear the question first? (laughs) Okay. Let these go. Oh, and and then then I answer. So you're not going to be really listening to what we're saying. <laughs> okay. I mean, wow. so we, sorry, that wouldn't be great. I mean, wow. Well, yeah. I, I think wow. we need to put Bree wow. on the spot here. We all discussed, she, she mentioned before we recorded that she had not had a chance to read any of the questions and she would like us to pick one for her. And we all agreed that she ought to have question two. Yes. And so we're going to read this to you and we will answer it first, but you are going to have to answer this question okay, because that's fine. when we picked this question for you, because you told us how much you absolutely hated Gunter's grandmother. Loved so her. this <laughs> quick question is all about Gunter's grandmother. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> I'll read the whole question out loud and then you can think while we talk through it okay. for a bit. Bright Valley of Love discussion question number two. <laughs> In the opening chapter, we meet Gunter's grandmother who quote, had swept and scrubbed floors and rubbed clothes on a washboard practically every day she could remember of her life, and she believed that only people who did something useful like that had any right whatsoever to live in the world. End quote. The grandmother is a hard-working woman who does her duty as she sees it. She does care for Gunter. But she has a sadly diminished view of human worth and the meaning of life. Life to her is about useful work, and a person's ultimate value is closely tied to his or her productivity, whether real or potential. Do you ever hear echoes of the grandmother's point of view in discussions about life issues today? And what would you say to Gunter's grandmother if you found yourself chatting with her over a cup of coffee? Your face right now, Brie. Can you Can you repeat <laughs> the first half? Because that's going to, because I can tell you right now what I'd say to her, mm. and I'm not going to mm. say it because <laughs> it won't fly <laughs> by any FCC standard. What is the first, say the first part of that? Do question. you ever hear echoes of the grandmother's point of view in discussions about life issues today? Okay. All right. I'm not answering it. it right now. I'm thinking and not listening to anything any of you have to say right now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Because, uh, you know, if the answer to the first question, do you hear echoes of this today? If the answer to that is yes, then the answer to the second question is vitally important because even if you never meet Gunter's grandmother, you will meet somebody mm-hmm. who shares that point of view. Yeah. And probably be drinking coffee with them mm-hmm. at some point. So it's a very, I, I, I stand by my question. It's mm-hmm. relevant. Yeah. It mm-hmm. is relevant. 
I think there were a lot of people in the group who were like, well, yes. And I would agree with that, that there's a lot of those. I feel like especially in all of the conversations that I've had with people who work with the disabled in homes like Bethesda, Able Light now, I think it was Bethesda yeah. Lutheran Communities. Able, Able Light, Light sounds now. right. We've talked with them a lot, but a, a lot of those organizations that work with people who have disabilities and they fight all the time against this mindset that if you aren't able to do things as a quote unquote normal person can, then you have no no value. And that obviously is not true in our Christian Lutheran worldview. Absolutely not true at all. Our value comes from God because we are created as his children and we are created in the image of God. So. So maybe I'm a little confused. Are we supposed to be now answering separate book club questions? Yes, that's what I thought. And then we circle back to Bree's yes. book club oh, question. Yes. Okay. Are okay. we all? I thought was, oh, I was so confused I, about this. I all think right. We're on the same page. I was, really- <laughs> was answering a fabulous answer here. Yes. Now let's move on to another question while Bree has the whole rest of the episode to contemplate what she wants to that, say. That, that, that's, that's what, what she I was wanted. Yes. 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 Oh. Okay. Let's give me thirty, please. Sorry. I would- okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, let's go to a different question. Sorry, I probably didn't communicate that correctly. I thought we were Aaron, all- since you're the one who's actually thinking clearly and listening well today, would you like to choose our next question? Sure. <laughs> Ah. (laughs) okay let's see i am going to do question number five good one in the dramatic last chapters of the book we see all of bethel especially pastor fritz battling evil nazi policies that dominate that mandated the mercy killing in other words murder of Mm -hmm. people with physical and or intellectual disabilities and chronic conditions like epilepsy what do the people of Bethel, Pastor Fritz, Yulia, Gunther, Klaus, Vili, Otto, and all the rest, what do they have to teach us about good and bad ways to combat great evil? And what lessons can we learn from them as we face our own dark days? So what I was struck by in this section of the book, it's sort of the very end of the book, sort of the big climax. And as I was reading it, it was interesting to me that they did not really put the In my opinion, they didn't really put a lot of emphasis on what Pastor Fritz was actually doing. Like they talked Mm. about that he was doing stuff, but they didn't really describe it. They didn't go into detail on his, you know, conversations with the Hitler's personal position who had come and, you know, all of these things. They said he had gone and done these things. But what they did spend more time going into was the struggle that Gunther and was it Klaus? Klaus. Sudden I'm missing my name. Yeah, his his good friend, right? The struggle that they were feeling personally with basically it was a, a crisis of faith. Like, do they mm-hmm. keep their hope in Christ in the face of this, or do they basically give up their hope and and say that, you know, it's all for naught. And I felt like that's really where they put the emphasis on. So they had this little mock sort of debate between the two where, you know, Klaus was like, I'll be the I'll be the doctor and you will be Pastor Fritz. And let's imagine the debate that they're having. I loved that Um, part. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, that's that's I thought it was just an interesting approach. And especially because when there are these great evils that we come across, 
sometimes we are called to engage directly with it. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes it's more of a, how are we going to choose the attitude of faith in how we just move forward with our life Mm -hmm. in the midst of the great evil? Maybe you get to fight it directly, or maybe you just absolutely refuse to give in to the despair or go along with Mm -hmm. the general direction that the society is going and instead, you know, steadfastly, fix your eyes on Christ and keep that hope and love that you have and move on through your life, whatever it might bring. And so I just thought that was really interesting the way they highlight that. And I feel like often in stories that we hear about World War II and Nazi Germany, often it's stories that are a bit more, I don't know, loud, not loud, but more dramatic, more obviously heroic. And this one was much more of a sort of a spiritual internal struggle. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they, mm-hmm. they won't be. It's not obvious. Anyway, it's not a huge surprise from the end. They survive, as Rachel said. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, it's a happy ending. God wins. But the way they actually set it up, whether Pastor Fritz had succeeded or not, God won. Like, whatever the result had been their crisis of faith they had they had passed through it and god had brought them through it and i really enjoyed that part of the story yeah yeah i really appreciated that aspect of it that it showed us different ways to combat evil in your society and we don't get the full story partly because pastor fritz in real life died in 1946 Mm -hmm. like he won this great battle and then very soon afterwards he went to be with jesus so we don't really get his side of the story we get imagination and the stories of the people who lived and interacted with him so we don't know exactly what he said to hitler's personal physician that made it so that bethel got the like waiver the exemption waiver on euthanizing people got chills (sighs) yeah but I love the book's emphasis on when you are confronted with evil, first, stand firm, second, pray, third, sing hymns at the top of your lungs, and fourth, Mm -hmm. ask yourself what is actually the smart thing to do. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, Pastor Fritz says right out, if I get up in Zion Church and thunder our defiance, the Gestapo will surely come and we will lose them all. Dear friends, please believe me, open opposition is suicide. Mm-hmm. So he knew this. He was no idiot. He would write letters till his hand fell off, yep. but he wasn't going to give them a reason to kill him. Mm-hmm. However, he would also preach. And so there's this other, at the beginning of the chapter, The Unshakable Kingdom, says that that following Sunday, Pastor Fritz preached in Zion Church about the unshakable kingdom of God. And afterwards, Wolfgang, who's sort of a bit of a Nazi sympathizer earlier on in the war, Mm -hmm. he says, love, 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 always that mush about love. Why doesn't he say one word about the English murderers? He's been listening to propaganda. Mm -hmm. Or about our great leader, growled Wolfgang. He did, said Gunther quietly. (laughs) Yep. Did what? He talked about our great leader. Oh, I didn't hear him. Didn't you hear him talk about Jesus Christ, our Lord? Yup. Mic drop. Uh I know. (laughs) Gunter is just Uh the best, you guys. Yeah. (laughs) So, yes. Remain firm. Pray. Sing. 
Keep your eyes fixed on great leader Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then see whether you should be writing letters or visiting Berlin or pulling strings or doing what you can, even open defiance, if that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, Um, it is. Yeah. In some cases, it is. In this case, it wasn't. And I'm glad that we have this example Mm -hmm. to show us that sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. So I was going to do question six, but... I'm going to do question four. Uh, <laughs> oh, guys. Wow. Did not see that one coming. <laughs> We're full of surprises today. Woo. I probably shouldn't have. I don't even know what to do with you girls. I know. It's, oh, man. Rare form today. So anyway, all right. question four is about complaining. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Today I feel like complaining. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. So... I'm going to just read the question because it's true to me, even though Rachel wrote it. I am a complainer. (laughs) (laughs) I have reasons to complain. Doesn't everyone, but not good ones. Not like Gunther and the people at Bethel. I have my health, my intellect, my family, and my daily bread. So why do I so often struggle with ingratitude? Consider this description of the Bright Valley of Love. Quote, here in this little schoolroom, Gunther also began learning the language that is very special to the Valley of Bethel. It has to do with grateful hearts. Since Bethel was a valley full of grateful heart, it spoke this language fluently. That is the language of praise. One would think that in a valley where there is so much suffering as there is in the Valley of Bethel, that the language spoken would be one of complaint. But the word hopeless is not in the language of praise that is spoken so fluently in the Valley of Bethel. Because the people who live in that valley know a love that has no limit, the voice of thanksgiving is stronger in that valley than the voice of complaint. End quote. Where does true joy come from? Is it dependent on outward circumstances? How do love and gratitude, praise and joy work together in the life of a believer? And perhaps more importantly for complainers like me, how does Gunther's story help us become more fluent in the language of praise? Okay, I almost didn't want to ask this question, at least not like that, because where does true joy come from? That's such... A children's sermon question. Jesus! 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 (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, all right, this is going to be a softball for people. But I really, really wanted to think about this because he is, after he comes to Bethel, even before he goes to Bethel, Gunther is so happy. Mm -hmm. And what's my excuse? (laughs) Anyway, back to you, Sarah. (laughs) The part of the book that kind of hit with me the most was when he was like struggling singing the hymns to Pastor Fritz. I think at one mm. point, I can't remember exactly when, and I was trying to look for it, but I did the audiobook, so I don't know where it is in the print. But at one point, he was supposed to go sing a hymn to Pastor Fritz, and he was standing outside his window, and he was like, why am I even doing this? What is even the point mm-hmm. of singing hymns right now? This is just dumb. But if he does it anyway. Or pastor sees him and tells him to or something. He ends up singing anyway, regardless of how he was feeling. And it just brings this joy. And yes, of course, we all know that joy comes from Jesus. But I think it's <laughs> I think it's a very important reminder, especially when things are hard and when things are hard continuously, days on, weeks, years on end, that this joy that we have isn't necessarily being happy all the time. Because I don't I don't think Gunther was always like feeling happy, especially in in certain parts of the book. But he always had that joy that comes from Christ because joy does not mean that we are always happy. It means that we have this peace and comfort in what Christ has done for us. And I think that's an important distinction. 
And then what was the second part? How does Gunther's story help us become more fluent? Yes. So it's kind of convicting, I think, this thinking about Gunther's story and like, well, why am I such a complainer if he had such a hard life? Mm. And some of it, I mean, hard things are also not a competition. Everybody deals with struggle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, we each have our crosses to bear. Right. So it's it's kind of not fair to like compare our lives with Gunther's because everyone has a struggle and it's all different. But Gunter may not have been able to feed himself, but he never raised teenagers. So (laughs) like everyone has some, I love my teenagers. I, there (laughs) no complaints with them today. (laughs) Today. Today. (laughs) But I think it's helpful for us to have these people in our lives, whether it's in stories or like in real life of people who do face struggles with this joy in their hearts and always looking toward Christ because we do always need that reminder. And it's good to have those friends who help pull us back from that ditch of complaining all the time and be like, hey, (laughs) Jesus has this, even if you feel terrible today. It's interesting that in, in German, you know, we talk about we know the answer to that one. Where does joy come from? But in German, if you've even taken one semester of German, you know that there are two words for no in German. There is Wissen, which refers to knowing something in your head. And there's canon, which refers to being deeply personally familiar with something. Mm-hmm. So if I were to say, I know you, Sarah, it would be canon, mm-hmm. not wissen. <laughs> so if you know that Jesus loves you versus you know that Jesus loves you, mm-hmm. it's a different kind of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it starts as head knowledge, starts as just Sunday school answers. And it sinks into us as it did to Gunter, you know, as you come to trust and rely on that love. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes that source of joy. Mm-hmm. But yep. may we all, by God's grace, know, can the love of Christ yeah. as Gunter did. Well, and I think a lot of that joy and that knowing knowledge happens when we go through the trials and really hard stuff in our life mm-hmm. and pulls us even closer to Christ. So, yeah. Oh. I'm gonna I, need you I did find I did find the quote you were referring to. Oh, it was yeah, on yeah. 143. Nope, it was not. I found it and then I lost it. Was it after Pastor knew about the Nazis? I don't remember. Yes. Yeah, I think it, I think was. it was like it was after he came back from the, oh, the high. 141. Valley. Ah. 141. Before the doctor came. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he starts singing the hymn and Pastor Fritz stands up and goes to the window and for the first time in Gunter's life looks at him the way the Nazi medical examiners would look at mm-hmm. him, not as a child of God, but as a, a, a crippled, mm-hmm. deformed human being. Yeah. And all of a sudden, his standing here in this garden and singing a hymn to this man seemed utterly, utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Tears scalded his eyes. Uncle Pastor, he cried, reverting to the old Patma's name, why do you look at me like that? I looked at you as they, the medical examiners, will look at you. I was listening to you as they will listen to you. I was trying to see and hear you as they will see and hear you, for I am afraid they have neither eyes nor ears to see or hear you. Forgive me, Gunter. Now sing to me, please, and pray for me. Yes. Is that the one? One, and you know what's very fitting? He sings a whole lot of Paul Gerhardt hymns. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that went, oh, and I just closed my book. 141. <laughs> Put thou they trust in God and duty's path go on. Oh, I don't think that's what I know. I was going to say, I think that's. What? That was actually, like, yeah, that was one of the ones where I'm like, I don't even recognize the tool, the tune of this. One. Well, I mean, Gerhardt has a bazillion hymns. We only have some of them. Yeah. <laughs> Put thou they trust in God. Oh, no. Entrust your days and burdens. Lutheran service. Oh, or I yeah, that's a good one. That. Okay. It's a modern translation of it. Hmm. See, I was trying to figure out all of the hymns that he was singing, and I, I couldn't place some of them, but that's because that's, we don't. There was a list in the book, wasn't there? There is a list in the back of the printed book. Oh. <laughs> I, I am just now looking at it. If I would have had this, I would have known. But yeah, there's a whole, for all you hymn nerds, there's a list of the hymns in the back of the book. <laughs> all right, Bree, are you ready yeah, to I answer need, your question? I'm going to need you to repeat the question one more time. <laughs> okay. Well, I won't repeat the whole thing. No, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. I'll just summarize. Grandmother. Awful. Usefulness equals value. Is this something you hear echoed in pro-life discussions today or pro-choice, pro-pro, just any life in society discussions? Term. And if you met Gunter's grandmother or anyone who holds this point of view, what would you say to them? So I don't know when it comes to the pro-life pro-choice debate and admittedly i'm not too deeply entrenched in that i don't really hear about like i don't hear about one's usefulness justifying either a pro-life or a pro-choice stance when i think about this story and i think about how it pertains to the pro-life pro-choice debate is that wherever wherever we are in life, we are all children of God, and especially those of us who are in Christ, like we, I just lost my train of thought, hold on. This is much harder than I thought it was going to be, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, well, let's try a different tack. Okay. You obviously have things to say to Gunter's grandmother. Yes. <laughs> Put on your cross of gold around your neck so she knows you're a Christian and you can't swear. Yep. <laughs> Got and imagine it. what you would say to her in compassion, but also concern for her attitude. Got it. Okay. So this is what I would say is that one's dignity and one's value is not something that is rooted in their usefulness, their set of special skills, their knowledge, their abilities. That does not qualify a person or their value what qualifies all of us and our value is that we are baptized children of god and so to use his disability or his his supposed lack of usefulness as a reason to justify the abuse and neglect i'm just going to name it because that's what it mm -hmm. is to to be negligent of your own family because of your own compulsions with needing to feel useful and doing certain tasks every day doesn't mean that if i if i can't do what you do every day that's not a reason to neglect me as somebody who is in your care and so I think one of the striking differences between how he how Gunter was under his grandmother's care versus how he was treated when he got to Bethel, mm -hmm. I think speaks volumes where 
talking about sentimentality, right? It was like <laughs> mm-hmm. the villain was the most villainous and the people who loved and supported Gunter were like the most virtuous. So it was like opposite ends of the spectrum. And mm-hmm. so I think when it comes to how we serve our neighbor or we think of each other as brothers and sisters in Christ is, you know, we don't neglect somebody because of their abilities. We don't abuse them because they can't do certain things that we would love them to do in Mm -hmm. sort of worldly terms. But we we accept people in their shortcomings. We lift them up in their shortcomings. We love them in their shortcomings. We care for them. We feed them. We make sure they get enough sunlight. Like, (laughs) I don't think that it's a surprise that once he was at Bethel for a while, like, he really blossomed as a young man and sort of came into his own. Like, I don't want to sound like old hat or anything, but Mm -hmm. like that, I feel like is the power of that's the power of love. Like that's Mm. the power of unconditional compassion and, and care Mm -hmm. for neighbor, which is I think ultimately reflected because we know what Christ did for us, right? Like, regardless of what, what we do every day or can't do or whatever, Christ died for us. He like he went to the he died. He died for us. He he did even more than the people at Bethel could ever do for the children that lived there. He made himself um, helpless. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Nothing. And just so, like Gunter. You know, the grandma was a sucky person. I'm not going to lie. She was really terrible. But I also know that in Christ, you are the best creation that ever was. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to push back just a little bit okay. on the the take on the grandmother who was given this child after his mother neglected him first mm-hmm. and his father was unable to care for him oh, yeah. mm-hmm. or declined to care mm-hmm. for him. So here she is scrubbing floors and, and washing clothes by hand so that she can have enough to eat. And she's given this child who is unable to feed himself, talk, mm-hmm. walk, is incontinent. And she's doing the best she can, yeah. the best she knows. Her attitude is maybe not where it needs to be, but she still does it which nobody else in his life had stepped up in that way. And yes, she carries this burden of guilt for what she was unable to do for him, but she needed help. Yeah. No, (laughs) it was too much. All three of them were too much. And she, when she and, and her son and Gunter, when they said we need help, God's people were there to help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I, and I hope that, and I mentioned this in the, in the Facebook discussion group too, Gunter's grandmother, there was coming a time in her life when she would no longer be able to scrub floors or wash clothes mm-hmm. on a washboard. Mm-hmm. And I really hoped that there was help for her and grace for her mm-hmm. when that time came. Mm-hmm. Because as somebody who was raised with a strong worth, work ethic, my cousins and I used to joke, well, what have you done to justify your existence today? Oh, Just as a one-liner. But, you know, if you're raised with a strong work ethic, it's really hard to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you ever are unable to contribute your fair share of work, it just wrecks you as a human being. Mm-hmm. So I really feel a little compassion for Gunter's grandmother as well, even though she was maybe 
not the best caretaker to Gunter. I think we'll and have to agree to disagree because I. Mm, we can agree to disagree. Yeah, I'm totally okay with that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but just offering that that contrary opinion so that if uh, <laughs> if there's anyone out there struggling and connecting your own self worth to your work value, maybe you could share yeah. that empathy with her. There is there is grace for even the hard workers out there. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. <laughs> and and assuming that she was a believer, like she's also like my sister in Christ. So mm-hmm. for me to be so absolutely critical of that, like I need to repent of that. Like, you know what I mean? Because God doesn't look her look at her the way that I do. And I need to not be a jerk either. Yeah. She also has inherent value. Correct. Um, Based on what you were describing, mm-hmm. which, yeah, that's hard when... That's very hard. Yeah. That's very yeah. hard. Oh, well, let's leave it there then. <laughs> Life is hard. Life is hard. But it's also so good. Actually, where I really want to leave it is the quote from the very, very beginning mm-hmm. that, that was became a great opening quote. the foundation yeah. of question six that Sarah was going to discuss and then chose not to. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Called out. <laughs> It's okay. I mean, I was just going to hear a tangent of Lord of the Rings. So it, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be worth it anyway. <laughs> just watch it. Go on Amazon Prime and just watch that. So here is Edna Hong's part of the introduction to this story. She says, a very wise woman, Simone Weil was her name, once wrote that imagined evil is fascinating and inviting, while real evil is deadening and repellent. But imagined good is dull and uninteresting, while real good is fascinating and inviting. And that is a quote that I will carry with me for a long time, because if you look at all of Hollywood, book publishing, you know, what sells, it's fascinating and inviting side of evil. (laughs) Oftentimes, Mm -hmm. there is this belief that entertainment that smacks of goodness will have no appeal for people Mm -hmm. but real good is always fascinating and inviting yeah so if you are an artist a creator out there don't don't forget that remember that the soul is hungry for real good Mm -hmm. and i think we all found that in this book so i'm really really happy that we got a chance to read it together Uh, yes yes all right but now we have to close the book On this discussion, by the way, (laughs) it's a paperback. It doesn't close very satisfactorily. Actually, no, before we close the book on this discussion, I just have to give one more huge shout out and thank you to the Reverend Dr. Paul Grimm, Mm. who first recommended this book to us, who is actually responsible for it being put back in print. He is a huge champion for this book and has been tireless in his promotional efforts. And Dr. Grimm, if you ever decide to stop being a seminary professor, you should totally take on a second career as a book publicist because you're really, really good at it. But thank you to Dr. Grimm and Concordia Theological Seminary Fort Wayne for providing a couple of copies for those of us who like to read book books and also for just supporting us in supporting this book. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. Amen. Are we ready to talk about what we're going to read next? Yes. yes. This is always the hardest part. Mm. I remember like the day before we're going to (laughs) record. Oh, shoot. I have to line up another book for everybody. Mm. And then this becomes this creative challenge that keeps me up half the night. And here we are. Dang. 
But I looked up the date. Our next book club is going to run in early December, right at the end of the year. It'll be great book reading weather, I suspect. I hope so. Uh, before all the craziness of the holidays completely takes over. So I hope that you all will be able to join us. But we need to pick a book. And since it is the end of the year, I don't know about you, but I always have this huge stack of things on my nightstand that have like bookmarks anywhere from like a quarter to halfway to three quarters of the way in. And I need to clear through this stack. And so I'm wondering if you all would keep me company on one or more of these books. We'll call it our end of the year clearing house. Clearing house. (laughs) Yes. I love it. And I would also invite you, my fellow ladies, if there are any books that you are in the middle of right now and would like to finish by the end of the year, we can definitely add them to the pile and see what we all want to read together. So... I'll go first, but at the end, if you have a book you'd like to add to this list, we can do that. The first one that I am the closest to finishing right now is David McCulloch's 1776. What? This Pulitzer Prize winning book tells the intensely human story of those who marched with General George Washington in the year of the Declaration of Independence when the whole American cause was riding on their success without which all hope for independence would have been dashed. So this is straight up, if you enjoy hardcover history books, this is a hardcover history book. I love this (laughs) suggestion for us right now. (laughs) Okay. Bria's Bria's face says this one's a no-go. All right. (laughs) I put it on the maybe pile. You have it for us, (laughs) eh? maybe pile. Speak for yourself. Wait, I also say it's a no-go. Oh, okay. All right, no-go. Okay. (laughs) Maybe pile. (laughs) No. (laughs) That sounds really long. How long is it? It's not. Like, the last hundred pages is all notes, you guys. (laughs) The last hundred. I love it. I love it so much. Oh. But the pages have, have... have deckled edges. That's how you know it's <laughs> like so a good up. book, right? I am sold. I'm going to buy that book and read it with you, Rachel. Okay, here's another one with fancy pages. And it's got French flaps. What? I'm, I'm in. French flaps are nearly as... They're the... When you have a paperback with like flaps, they're nearly ex- as expensive as a hardcover to wow. produce. Just get so you know they're fancy. Spring for book nerd. I, I know, it. right? Spring uh-huh. Okay, this one is... And I'm only a little ways into this one. My aunts and uncles all keep telling me it's a wonderful book and that I should finish it, so I will. Another Pulitzer Prize winner. This one is Pilgrim at Tinker Creek by Annie Dillard. Um, that one sounds more Her fun. personal narrative highlights one year's exploration on foot in the Virginia region through which Tinker Creek runs. In the summer, Dillard stalks muskrats in the creek and contemplates wave mechanics. In the fall, she watches a monarch butterfly migration and dreams of Arctic caribou. <laughs> She tries to con a coot. She collects pond water and examines it under a microscope. She unties a snakeskin, witnesses a flood, and plays king of the meadow with a field of grasshoppers. The result is an exhilarating tale of nature and its seasons. Oh. Apparently, it's not completely exhilarating because mm-hmm. it's been on my nightstand for a while and I haven't finished it yet. But it is very beautiful. It's a thick book. One of the rich ones. That you just I sort do of- love that in okay. the last minute you use the terms tinker, coot, and muskrat. <laughs> and for that alone, that has my vote. 
Okay, great. Here, well, this one, this one's also on the maybe pile. Okay. Wait, what do you mean also? That should be the only one in the maybe pile. They're all going to end up in the oh, maybe pile. They're all going to be in the maybe pile. Okay, okay, keep going. I love this. Show. Okay, okay. This is amazing. This is um, the next one, and this one I feel is a very strong contender. Ooh. I don't read a whole edges t- though. <laughs> That is a question. It does not. Okay. It deserves it. I'm sure that there's a later version that has the deckled edges because uh, this one is a Pulitzer Prize winner. What is it with me and Pulitzer Prize winners and not finishing them? I don't know. Uh-oh. Um, but it's a sticker. It wasn't printed on, which means that this was printed before it won the prize and they just put them on in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, the tricks of the so this knows all of them. <laughs> I don't, re- I don't read a whole lot of fiction, but this one I was reading and enjoying. This one is Gilead, a novel by Marilyn Robinson, winner of the Pulitzer Prize. I have heard uh, good things about this one. I've heard very good things about it. And so far, it's good. It's another one that's a little bit thick. Not long, thick. You know, I've never heard it. Mm-hmm. So what's it yeah, about? I haven't either. Marilyn Robinson returns with a story about fathers and sons and the spiritual battles that still rage in America's heart. In the luminous and unforgettable voice of Congregationalist Minister John Ames, Gilead reveals the human condition and manages to convey the miracle of existence itself. That is terrible back cover copy. Mm. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> say it. Um, Don't judge a book by its back cover. Copy. Well, copy. do, unless it's badly written. <laughs> but what this really is about, it is a memoir of a pastor in Kansas who is an old guy who married late in life and has a young son and he's been diagnosed with like a terminal heart condition. And he's basically writing his life story to his young son. He probably will not get to live to see his, his son grow to be a man. So he's looking back on his life as a small town country preacher and all the ins and outs of that. So there's a lot of, of deep reflection and it's a beautiful, it's she Robinson develops a beautiful voice for this guy it's been a lovely luminous read so far. Mm-hmm. Just haven't finished it yet, so I can't tell you how it ends. I don't. I don't normally read books with a uh, male protagonist, so I, that would be an interesting read. The interesting thing <laughs> is that we often read books by men with a female protagonist, mm-hmm. but oh. this one oh, how and the next one I'm going to put forward are written by females with a male protagonist. Interesting. Love it. So and that's hmm. a solid maybe contender. Definitely. Yes. Okay. Agreed. Okay. Our second. Um, <laughs> since we're talking about novels written by women about men, this one, <laughs> full confession, I haven't started it yet, but I have been so longing to start it. So it's almost as if I've already started it, uh, but I haven't yet. It's the this one is, section of life. <laughs> the pre. <laughs> <laughs> this one is. George Eliot by Silas. No, Silas Marner by George Eliot, not the other way around. Yes. And it's got a little slip inside. Dear Rachel, this is one of my favorite reads. I hope you enjoy it. Christ Keep You from Katie Shureman. Oh! (laughs) So, that in itself should make this a strong Mm. contender. Um, But I'll tell you about it. If you ever saw the 90s movie A Simple Twist of Fate, with um what's his name steve martin hmm. that was that was based very closely on the plot of this novel i only know silas martyr because of wishbone there was definitely a silas martyr oh, episode yes. on which oh, i hated wishbone have I we talked about wishbone. that before <laughs> really hated wishbone huh i, don't she think hated I've ever... it. I loved it <laughs> i really 
really hated Wishbone. <laughs> Dang. Okay. You hated the grandmother. Let me have Wishbone. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's fair. I hated Wishbone because they always put him in romantic relationships with human actresses, and it creeped me out. See, I was a very small child, and I don't think I even realized that. Hmm. Ew. <laughs> Here's what the back cover oh says God. about Silas Marner. Wrongly accused of theft and exiled from a religious community many years before, the embittered weaver Silas Marner lives alone in Ravelow, existing only for work and his precious hoard of money. But when the money is stolen and an orphaned child finds her way into his house, Silas is given the chance to transform his life. Hmm. So. Okay. It's like the interesting. It basically, I want to read this book because I've heard about it all my life, and Katie Sherman mm. told me I should read it. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. So that one's that seems another like an obvious one. contender, top of the maybe yeah. pile. Obvious. You know, what? I'm going to skip this one. It's way too long. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I won't skip it. It's 500 pages long, so not a serious contender, and the font is small. This would be Sir Walter Scott's Ivanhoe. Oh. oh. This is a reread for me, which I read when I was a teenager, and I want to see if I still enjoy it hmm. as an adult. So far, okay. I am three chapters I in. I to go oh back goodness. to the recording of this hmm. and like listen to that like gut reaction from the three. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, if you have the time for 500 pages of small print no. and the patience for early romantic era prose romantic not as in like love and romance but romantic as in like isn't that mountain sublime Mm. Um, highfalutin is what mm. i would call that (laughs) you know i'm a little bit torn though because while i often have a lot of reluctance for some of the like great classics i've also often found that there's a reason why they maintain their status as a great great classic and if i press through initially it turns out I really enjoy it. Like A Tale of Two Cities. Mm. Love mm. that. Once Ooh. I got into it. Mm. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, I think I give up before I get to that part. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with Ivanhoe, this was uh, written in the early 1900s. No, 1800s. Early 1800s, 19th century mm. by Sir Walter Scott, who also wrote the famed Waverly novels. And he pretty much single-handedly got Victorian England obsessed with the medieval era again because he said all he said his novels there and made it look really idyllic and so all those Victorian pictures of like ladies and towers and knights Hmm. and everything and all that 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 traces back to this and it really is it's a fun read there's some really interesting issues but again I'm going to put it with 1776 on the no pile (laughs) yeah thanks I might have to read because it's just it's kind of long. And then the last one, this one's nonfiction. It's uh, spirituality. Well, not really. It's it's Bonhoeffer. Oh. The Costs of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Hmm. One of the most important theologians of the 20th century illuminates the relationship between ourselves and the teachings of Jesus. This is a book that I am finding very interesting, challenging, enlightening, whether or not it would strictly pass LCMS doctrinal review. <laughs> I do not know, but I do know that Ken was supposed to read it in one of his seminary classes. So there's that. Have any of our books, would any of them been able to pass LCMS doctrinal review? Like uh, Quality of the Cross. Definitely that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> any of the other ones? 
Bright Valley of Love, probably, yeah, probably. although it wasn't published. Maybe I don't know if CTS FW stuff goes through. Anyway, um, but this is it's a very challenging in a good way read that will make you think about some questions that maybe you didn't think you needed to answer, but you totally do. And I'm getting a lot out of it. And for anyone who's interested in Bonhoeffer, highly recommend checking it out. Obviously, make up your own mind and read with your Lutheran filters on. But he was a Lutheran pastor, so mm-hmm. there's that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that is book number four on the maybe pile. I presume we can put Bonhoeffer on a maybe pile? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We got four. Anyone have anything else to toss on the pile here before we make our final decision? I don't read unless I'm asked to. <laughs> well, then we'll definitely ask you to. Club has been really good for you. Yeah. It has. <laughs> I've read, more, I've read more books in the last three years than I've read in like the years from 2004 to 2000. That's not 2010 to 2000, whenever this mm. started. It is mm-hmm. nice to have the incentive. Sometimes I. Well, that's exactly what this is all about giving me the incentive to finish one of these books before the end of the year. How do you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I just ask a question? Because I feel like uh-huh. that's really weird. Like, how can you start a book? Yeah. And stop and then pick up something else. Like, what is your secret? That's true. (laughs) Well, it just sort of happens. I bite off more than I can chew. Got it. In many aspects of my life, (laughs) but including this one. I haven't even mentioned the book that I'm reading most regularly these days, which is Paradise Lost. That one I assumed would not be a good- Milton? Milton. Yeah, Mm. it's so good, you guys. But no, I don't know. I just um, I um, have yeah. problems with commitment. That's a, that's to a books. reader style. Like I, yeah. I mm-hmm. am not that style. I read. Yeah. I read a lot, but I read one book at a time. Yeah, the exception. I do. I read one book on my Kindle, and that's so much slower because I basically read it at breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and then most of the rest of the reading I do is via audiobooks, yeah. but I do one at a time yeah. and I do. Mm. Yeah, don't get me wrong. And like, it's, it's, yeah, that's just a reader style. I respect many it. people have. The I just think it's weird. Rachel <laughs> has of having lots of books going at once. Yeah. I think um, I would get confused and so. then I'd forget what I'm reading and then I'd have to go back and well, start over mm. again and I'd get really sad. If you, if you hadn't noticed, these books are wildly eclectic. That like that's true. how yeah. you do it. Like I yeah. wouldn't read two of the same kind of books you at the same time. You won't be able true. to confuse them. Like I've yeah. got one theology book, one novel, one autobiography, one history, one epic poem. You know, it's like, I, I keep them categorized, I guess. Yeah. And when so I'm in the mood for fill in the blank genre, I pick up this. George Washington falls from heaven and like <laughs> catches a coot and like writes a memoir to his son who's not gonna he's gonna die before he lives to the age eighteen or whatever. Like, is that what your dreams are like? You know, <laughs> sort of like break together in like this hmm. freakish like tapestry of literary intake i wish no my dreams are much more mundane than that freakish history (laughs) of literary intake (laughs) okay Um, any other books to add before we toss in i don't think we'll do them but i'm still good since you wanted books that we could consider i'm gonna throw them out there so a book that i've not yet read and i've been wanting to read is that hideous strength. <gasps> oh my goodness. I love that. I read it like every couple of years. Is space trilogy. And I haven't gotten mm-hmm. it yet. I have enjoyed the first two, but that one I haven't gotten to yet. We've already done CSS. Anyway, 
Do we need to have read the first two books to get it? I don't know. Not necessarily. I don't know. I read, I reread that hideous strength way more often. Oh, okay. Like you might get a little bit more out of it if you recognize the character from previous, but based on the first two, no, you don't have to have done that. There won't be a whole lot of nuance that I have to catch on to. No, I have no very good things about that book. So that's, that's one. Okay. And then this one would not count as one that I have not finished because again, that's not my style of reading, but one that I have, I did finish, but really enjoyed. Yeah, I don't think it's really right for book club. But anyway, I'm going to toss it out there for those who like to hear book suggestions. And that's A Gentleman in Moscow. Oh. So it's a novel. Ooh. It was delightful. So it was, I really, really enjoyed it. It was, it was fun. I don't, I don't feel like it's actually right for book club, but maybe that hideous strength. So that's going to be my addition to this. Oh boy. Consideration. That's like waving a piece of pie in front of my face. (laughs) She's like, I've read that one so many times. Let me read it again and not read it. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to be the most unhelpful for you. You're a real friend. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I only had one and it's already come up and it was Aaron's suggestion from a long time Mm. ago. And that's Peter Mayles. Oh yeah, a year in Provence. I still a have not finished it, and I hate that mm. I have not finished it yet. It was my lunch book, and then something happened. Maybe no, that was pre-pandemic. I don't remember. I stopped eating lunch. Oh, it, winter, winter happened. I stopped eating <laughs> lunch. Outside. I would bring the book outside with me and read, and then okay. it got cold, and then uh-huh. I stopped doing that, and then I just haven't picked it back up. I'm like in May or something, mm. halfway through it. So that's You're almost mm. done. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm halfway through. <laughs> that's halfway done. <laughs> I don't know if there's a whole lot we would actually talk about that's book clubby, but it's so mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. You just need to finish it. <gasps> okay. I'm going to throw one Ooh. out there. Okay. Oh, I know. I've kind of wanted to get into James Harriet. Mm-hmm. Oh. Him. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He has a series of memoirs. He's a veterinarian. Oh, yes. series of memoirs. All things bright and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh. All creatures great and small is the first one. I want to do all things bright and beautiful. I'm just throw that out there. Huh. Wait, maybe not this time. I think you mean all creatures great and small, which is the first one. I the second was, one. I thought it was all things bright and beautiful. Is the first. One. That's how the song goes. But I oh. think his first one might actually. It's be. the first one. Whatever. Okay. 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 Well, I own all these books and I've read them multiple yes! times. <laughs> so I would be all in favor of that. I think the only the only hesitation I would have had at recommending these for book club is that. You know, they, they're like, use some earthy language. Mm. Um, I love that. Which, to be honest, doesn't bother me in print, but does bother me in the audiobook. Mm. Go figure. Yeah. Hmm. It's easier to ignore um, it in print. Exactly. You can just skim over it. Yeah. Whereas in the audiobook, it's like, oh, you kiss your mother with that mouth. Whack you over the head. Hmm. <laughs> I had no idea. Now you know. Now I know. Full disclosure. Now I want to do Well, that. I mean, it's. Three oh, bachelor vets living alone mm. together and playing pranks on each other. I mean, there's. <gasps> okay, now I have to read them. It doesn't. It, all the books. It just completely defeats the purpose. So yeah. I just let me throw but, it out there, but throw yeah. it in the no pile for now. I mean, we'll revisit it. Rachel, we. Tra- I would love to. I would love to. Excellent books for yeah. us every time. So yeah. we trust your process. We're throwing things out there. 
but you're the one that guides us through this. Yes. And you guys yeah. have excellent taste in books because any one of those that you mentioned, I want to read. And now I'm thrown into um, spasms of self doubt about. Because right. now I want to start another new book. Um, I think we should pick from the maybe pile just for your sake. Okay. Help, to help but out friends. Anyone listening out there, any of these choices, mm. highly, hi- highly High worth checking out. Mm. Definitely. Okay. So the maybe pile on my end, then we've got four choices. Silas Marner by George Eliot. Not the other way around. <laughs> we've got Gilead by Marilyn Robinson. We've got Pilgrim at Tinker Creek by Annie Dillard. I do have Gilead. And we've got The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm going to... All right. I know what I'm voting for. Should we all say at once what we want to do? Yes. And then we'll just... I love chaos. I love chaotic energy. This whole episode has been chaos. I love it. I love that for us. All right. So on the count of three, let's say the one we want to do. Okay. And then majority rules. Hopefully there's not a three-way tie mm. or no, a three-way not tie. A basically. three-way tie would be very good. That would be excellent. Three-way uh, stalemate. Let's avoid that. Isn't that like a Mexican standoff? What? Where none of we us have agree? three different answers. Shink, shink. I think it is. Oh. I'm pretty I'm sure that's all right. Let's do this <laughs> on the count of three. Racist. <laughs> what? <laughs> all right. One, hmm. one, two, three. Pilgrim at yeah. Creek. We had two Gilead. Okay. Oh! It's on. And I have. <laughs> all right. Both. Gilead it is. It sounds. sent it to me. Did she really? <laughs> yes. That's the one she gave <laughs> me. So I knew I had heard of it. <laughs> Didn't that's know what hilarious. it was about. It's just been sitting on mm. my kitchen couch. Oh, that's that true. I, she sent me. So wait. you have a copy of Gilead? Yes, I do. From Katie Sherman. Yes, when she came oh. here, it's all milk glass and books. That's the book she gave mm. me. So funny. Okay, well, it's a sign. We have to do this one. It's a sign. <laughs> we read. Again. And really, you guys, it was way more interesting than the back cover copy makes it sound like. I believe you. The yes. reviews online look really good, so I'm excited. All right, listeners out there. After a long and convoluted process, we have our next Lutheran Ladies Book Club pick. You have until early December, maybe late November, just to be safe. Let's say by Thanksgiving, try to source yourself a copy of Marilyn Robinson's Pulitzer Prize winning novel, Gilead. She has the moxie, let's say, to write a novel from the perspective of an aging pastor, so if you know any aging pastors in your life, you can see Skill. how how uh, accurate she is on the voice and understand what it's like to grow old in a country parish. At least I think that's where we're going with this. I'm only 40 pages in. Mm. So we'll see if I can get further before December. <laughs> and thank you in advance for coming with me on this journey because I think it'll be a good one. That Very will. good. That will. And it is available on audiobook. If what I'm seeing oh, yes. is the right thing on Audible and on Hoopla, at least it's on my Hoopla, so you can mm. get it non-audible if you're not there, and of course in print. So super duper looking forward to this. And if you haven't participated in book club yet and you aren't scared away by the absolute chaos of this episode, mm. you should totally join us in our Facebook group. This will be an event 
in, oh, I don't know, several weeks, we'll, uh, Rachel will create an event in there and you just have to RSVP that you're going to that Facebook event. And then all of the discussion happens asynchronously <laughs> in that event, which means Rachel posts the questions and we all show up and answer whenever we want to. And it's great. And Sarah posted some fun. of her answers today. I did. Book club was already over. So it's you true. don't even have to, like, you don't even have to. <laughs> I'm going to go more of a guideline <laughs> than a rule. Exactly. It's very loose. You don't have to. It's not formal. No. Join in. I'm a busy mom. I don't have time to, like, sit online. Listen, and, mm-hmm. I had a thought I, I just about former pop in and out. And so should you. And I went in and up. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. <laughs> oh, that would <laughs> <laughs> like if I did because I could uh, every once in a while comments show up from mm, posts from like a year Wexler. and a half ago so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes it's <laughs> keep headbutting this microphone <laughs> with my giant glasses okay you guys I just found out something that is making me second guess myself but it shouldn't really because for Uh-oh. some people this will be a huge appeal Gilead Gilead was an Oprah's book club pick <laughs> so for the first time the Lutheran Ladies Book Club and Oprah's yeah. Book Club agree uh-huh. on a title wow yeah. so, mark this one down in the calendars so this one it's gonna it cross be good yeah exactly it's gonna cross this is a some lot multiverse of nonsense uh-huh. all right Ooh. i'm loving it mm-hmm. okay join us i'm gonna i'm just gonna we're gonna close this out now Do it. before it gets more chaotic go 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 sorry <laughs> join us in our facebook group for all of our posts including the lutheran ladies lounge book club which you can still go back and comment on Bright Valley of Love if you listen to this and then read it and then want to go comment, please do so. We would love to have more comments in that book club. It's under the events tab, past events. You can find it right there or just like ask an admin and we'll show you where it is. Join us in our Facebook group. You can also follow us on Instagram at Lutheran Ladies Lounge. You can find content there, links to our episodes, all of those things if you're on Instagram. If you aren't on social media at all and you'd like to get Lutheran Ladies Lounge in your inbox, you can sign up for our monthly e-newsletter. You can find out how to do that in the show notes for this episode, or you can send an email to lutheranladies at kfuo.org, and we will get you signed up for that e-newsletter. You can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge, or on the KFUO radio app, or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Aaron. I'm going to go catch a coot. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Frau Julia's current bunt cake. <laughs> <laughs> With currants, she grew herself. <laughs> I don't even know what a coot is. I hope it's something terrible. How about, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not going to Google it at work. I'll say that. Yeah. I bet it's a I lizard. I feel like it's something. It's no, I think it's something you. It's isn't that like something you call an an old. A coot is a medium-sized water Eagle. bird that is a member of the Relidae family. <gasps> it's a bird. It's a bird. It's an yeah. ugly bird. That's what you call close men. relatives <laughs> of the moorhen. <laughs> well, which one was it then? Did she catch an old man or did she catch an aquatic bird? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you'll have to read the book and, and find out. And so will I, because I didn't get to that part before I put it down last. Hmm. Foolish or eccentric. Are coots? Can you eat coots? <laughs> I, have eaten, type? I have eaten. I have eaten. It's about the birds. And I have eaten coot stew that was surprisingly tasty. Well, okay then. Disgusting. Right. That's uh-huh. from ducks.org, everyone, in case you wanted to know. Ducks.org. <laughs> 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 It was so ugly.
A bird? <laughs> Birds aren't usually a coot. When do they see this coot? Well, this one is named a coot. <laughs> so it's stepping lively, it's though. It's not ugly. It's what gross. are you talking about? It's, it's got like gross. the head of a pigeon. Look at that. Head of a pigeon, mm. body of a gull, <laughs> talents of an eagle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a GMO nightmare. <laughs> it's a chimera. name of a cranky old man. That's right. <laughs> oh, it does have gigantic feet. It does. What is that? A water bird. <laughs> American coot. But it's like never seen bird feet like that. Uh, They're huge. You guys, you haven't you haven't played the great great game called wingspan which features birds i don't know if the coot is in there but i might go and look and see if it's one of the birds you totally should i've never seen this before in my life game Mm. wow those are really big feet aren't they water birds often have i guess that makes sense like yeah but these aren't webbed portion like the proportion of the feet to the body is just hmm. wild. Yeah, they're are like they, are chicken they feet, only they're oversized. They're not dramatically over. so. Wow. Well, cool. Thanks, guys. I've got a new fun fact to share at the dinner table tonight. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us, too. If you love the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast, consider financially supporting our producer, KFUO Radio, so we can keep doing what we do. Find out how at kfuo.org slash give. Oh, I should have started the other one first. What am I doing? <laughs> what am I even doing? Sir? <laughs> first off, I just want to have a... a, 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 a let, let me start over. Sir? <laughs> wow. Uh, <sighs> The Giscapo will. (laughs) Well, it was industry. Oh my goodness. We're all having issues today. (laughs) What is happening? I don't even know what word you were even trying to say. (laughs) 